This is our part two interview that we have with Daniel Carbosion. He's going to be talking about his life so far being a scout for Arsenal FC. He'll be discussing about his personal life and his two new projects that he's working on. Hope you guys enjoyed. It's amazing how vivid you draw a picture. Everyone feels like they were there with you. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, I want to take you to a little bit further ahead in time when um, you turned to scouting. How did that happen? And... Uh, you ended up at Arsenal again and with Arsene Wenger. Is it something that happened in a conversation between you guys and why scouting exactly? Yeah, I am. Um, so when I did uh, when I did finish playing and I told, um, well, when I kind of announced that I was done, I I emailed Steve Rowley, who, as I mentioned, was the uh, still is the chief scout at Arsenal, and he's he was the scout that brought me over, and I'd, I'd maintained quite a good relationship with him um, since since actually signing for Arsenal. So. Uh, I emailed him and I said basically like thank you so much for the opportunity for everything like despite how it ended like I, I wouldn't have traded it for the world you know and he um, we as I said we kept in touch even when I was at Burnley and when I was at Ipswich on loan as well and um, he basically uh, he said well Arsenal is creating a partnership with the Colorado Rapids right now in the states and there might be some sort of coaching opportunity available for you out there uh, and he said he'd get back to me. Um, and I, at the time, like as, as I was 22, and I wasn't particularly sure what I was going to do. I was, uh, I thought to myself, like I'll just, you know, I, I grew up in Roanoke, Virginia, Blacksburg, where Virginia Tech is, is only 30, 30 minutes away from where I grew up. So I said I'll probably go to. I actually went to Virginia Tech to get like an application and start to um, kind of start that whole process. And um, Steve called back and said, "Sorry, the the coaching situation. I don't think it's going to work out. They're looking for a coach with actual like with credentials and." Um, that has his licenses and whatnot, and I, I wasn't particularly thrilled on coaching anyway. So I said, you know, it's fine. And he said, but I, you know, I spoke to, I spoke to Wenger and a couple other guys, um, kind of other higher ups at Arsenal, and and we want to offer you a job as a scout in North America, which was, you know, which once again, it's like, oh wow, yeah, here I am about to go to college again, and then Arsenal comes in and throws a curveball. <laughs> so uh, I, th I think at the end of the day, their goal is just to prevent me from going to school. <laughs> but. Uh, but yes, I um, obviously I took them up on their offer. I I flew back to London for um, some some training. Basically, was kind of shadowing a couple other scouts for several weeks and uh, learning learning basically from the best and, and figuring out how to how to write reports the way that um, that the boss that the boss wants that Steve Rowley wants and um, yeah, and then they kind of unleashed me in the United States. Obviously, like. For for scouts, is very important to know your to know the territory and be comfortable in the territory. So it's at times I think it's difficult to like it'd be difficult for them to just throw an English guy here that doesn't particularly know the market um, and expect them to you know to to swim in, in a land where it's very very you know it's all about kind of contacts and um, having access to different things and having played in. Um, several youth national teams and kind of grown up in, in the system here, it was much easier for me to, um, to, to get access to a bunch of the stuff in the United States and, and already have like a network in place. And, um, I was, when I was, when I was full time, I was covering, you know, all of Mexico as well. So that was, uh, that was a, a beast in itself, uh, as well. That was, that was kind of like, you're just kind of chucked in there and you got to start from scratch. So, um, yeah, that was very interesting, but it's, uh, I mean, for since I was basically 23, I've gone a little less, a little more part time now. But um, for about seven, eight years, I was I was traveling basically twice, twice a week, once a week um, around the U.S., basically around Concacaf, essentially, uh, looking for players. Did you um, 
when you said Mexico, did you have a role to play in Carlos Vela's recruitment? Uh, no, actually, he, he had already signed by the time I'd become a scout. So, funny enough, though, Carlos, uh, Carlos's family, um, because that was kind of, I wouldn't say Arsenal's only connection in Mexico, but that was a very good connection they had in Mexico because, you know, they'd, they'd just done the deal, essentially, like when I, the year that I'd signed, I believe. Um, his, his brother uh, and his family looked after me quite a bit when I was... Um, when I was initially going down there, helping me get around, they'd fly. His brother would fly out and meet me, and and you know help me arrange tickets and help me arrange rides and um, introductions and meetings and whatnot. So, um, which in a country you know in a country like Mexico where you're where you know you are a foreigner, it's uh, is vitally important. You know you can't just walk up. It's it's hard it's hard to just walk up to someone and say, hey, I scout for Arsenal, and have anybody really take you seriously. So, uh, <laughs> having uh, having you know having a guy like that kind of um, kind of show me the ropes and, and make those introductions was huge. You know, I know you um, have done two notable players such as, you know, Zalalem and Joel Campbell, for example. Is there any other notable players that you brought, um, Danny, and you could talk, and what qualities are you looking for in, a, in scouting players, for example? Yeah, Joel and Gideon are the two boys that I brought that uh, ended up signing. Um, I Initially, the first, actually, the first boy that I did bring over was... Um, Luis Gill, who's at Salt Lake now. Uh, he's been at Salt Lake for probably onwards of five year, four or five years now. Um, he was very, 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 I mean, he still is a very, very gifted player. Um, the passport issues kind of made it a little bit more difficult to bring him over in the end. Um, but yeah, I, um, I mean, as a scout, it's, you know, if you, if you look at the way Arsenal play, and I was, I, 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 a lot of people ask me, like, how do you get into scouting and you know, what do you look for? And I think, like, and I don't want to say that, like, only guys that have played can can be scouts, but I think it certainly helps in that regard because um, I, I got to see, you know, who who made it at Arsenal, who, who actually got to train with the first team at Arsenal, what qualities of the guys that got to train with the first team regularly have at Arsenal, what qualities of the guys that who I thought were very, very good and never actually got to train with the first team or actually get to, you know, get picked in the match squad. Like, why didn't they get picked even though they were very, very good? Um, I kind of I, I lived it and I saw what guys prospered, what guys made it, and what guys didn't. Whether it be personality, technical ability, you know, tactical awareness, all this stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, when I'm when I'm looking at players, generally they, you know, if you watch Arsenal play, like it's it's quite easy to see that technically the players have to be superb. And um, I think, you know, still, still, even though the U.S. is getting better and better. Um, you know, year after year, and we're starting to implement a lot, a lot of these new great ideas from all over the world of football. Um, I still think it's one thing that American players lack is is a really high level of technical ability. And uh, if you look at any, if you look at any of the players at Arsenal, like they, they all excel greatly in that in that aspect. And and of course, like it has to, it has to make sense with other parts of the game. But if you look at our midfield now, especially with Casorla, Ozil. Uh, Ramsey, like all these guys, like they can take a ball down, you know, in any situation. When there's pressure around them, they're not panicking. They're like completely confident in everything that they're doing. Um, and those are the guys, you know, kind of those are the guys that we're looking for, you know, at the club. And then having having them be able to actually apply it to a match situation as well. And um, that was that was one of the things that certainly caught my eye with Gideon was he was I mean, he was 13 years old when I initially saw him and. 
Um, he was the first time I saw him was he was training with his club team and they they were playing like a five v two for ten minutes before training started and he never went in the middle because he was just constantly aware of everything that was around him uh, and technically like he never he never stumbled basically so he was every pass that he got was every pass that he made was a good one every first touch that he took was a good one away from pressure um, into space and. Um, yeah, I was very initially like after ten minutes of seeing him, I said, "Wow, this kid is is quite special." Let's see if he can actually apply it to a match situation, and um, he definitely he definitely did after that. Uh, and then when he, you know, it's it's very difficult. Like a lot of people said, like man, eight years or seven years, two players, and you brought a total of maybe like four over or recommended four. But uh, you can't. It's it's you can't just like throw a bunch of things against the wall and hope one sticks like especially at a club like Arsenal because they'll they'll quickly say well Danny has no idea what we're actually looking for in players so you have to as a scout you have to be 150% convinced that the player that you bring over or the player that you recommend is going to sign for for Arsenal because they don't have I mean they don't have time to just keep bringing players and to train with uh, you know to train with the guys that they're actually have signed and are actually pushing on to to make it at the first team so it's um so yeah, so it is a, it's a, it's, it can be a, a bit more difficult than I think when, when people say, well, I can, you know, pick a player, I can spot a player. It's, it's, it's seeing a guy in his element here, you know, in the, in the States or in Mexico and, um, kind of deciding whether or not you think you can actually make it when he gets to England. And there's a lot of outside, there's a lot of outside factors as well that kind of play into it. And, and as a scout, it's kind of your role to understand uh, and decide whether or not you think the kid, um, is going to actually be able to adapt to, to life in England, life in London, um, the weather, being away from home. It's like you take a kid from you know South Florida or from Southern California, and he's used to the sun every single day of his life, and then you throw him into London, you know, in the winter time when it's dark at three o'clock. Like I, I guarantee that you'll have issues with that kid, <laughs> um, and and then being able to actually do the job every single day, you know, as well. So when um, Luckily, like when I brought um, when I brought Gideon over, he uh, he did very very well, and he was when I brought him on trial, he was 14 at the time, um, just to train the you know kind of the first time, and he got to he got to train with um, some of the boys that had already played in the Champions League that had made their debut in the Champions League, some 18, 19, 20 year old kids, and um, he was once again he was just right in the middle of right in the middle of the pitch, getting the ball, kind of um, kind of running you know running running the set, not running the session, but, you know, like clearly making a difference in a positive way, um, which is great to see as a scout because sometimes you bring boys over and they end up hiding, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, their, their mindset is, you know, if I don't make a mistake, then they, you know, they won't notice, but, you know, we'll also notice if you're actually not getting involved at all either. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot of kind of, there's a lot of stuff, which I didn't, you know, I didn't think of and, and particularly know until I, I was thrown into this world as to, you know, what we, what we look for and what, how we look for it is much more than just like a kid is good at either scoring goals or, or creating, you know, opportunities. It's, it's much, much more than that. Okay. Well, while staying on the topic of scouting, but moving a little bit closer to where we consider our region of interest, Asia, um, Arsene Wenger he used to manage uh, Nagoya Grampus 8 in Japan and uh, before moving to Arsenal, obviously, and he's quite familiar with Asian football. He's brought in a few Asian players like Ryu Miyachi, Park Ji Young, and Junichi Inamoto, but none of them really managed to settle at Arsenal or make uh, make an impact. Um, how big of a focus does Arsenal have on Asian football, and why do you, uh, 
despite the failure of these players? And going forward, what impact do you think they can have in uh, Europe? Um, well, I mean, first and foremost, like it's it's similar to the U.S., where it's difficult to get players to come in because of, of uh, work permits. Um, it's it's very very similar in Asia. That's and I, I think that's the reason you don't see more Asian players and playing in the Premier League is because you're you're given a very small kind of um, number of players that you can actually choose from to, to bring over. You know, I Gideon was born in Germany, so I, I lucked out in that regard in terms that he has a um, he has a European passport. You know, as well. Whereas a lot of the a lot of the younger guys that you find in Iran or in Japan, they, they don't have European roots. You know, they're strictly either Japanese or Iranian or um, from from other countries. So it's very difficult to bring those guys over from from a young age um, and then and then kind of integrate them. Uh, so if you're looking for a guy like in the first team, he has to be, you know, he has to be absolutely exceptional. A and then if he has if he doesn't have a European work uh, work permit, then he has to have played in, I believe the rule is 75% of your, the national team's games over the past two years, and that national team has to be in the top 50 in the FIFA World Rankings as well during that time. So um, immediately, like, it's a very difficult, you know, you're against the wall here, like in terms of being able to bring players in from over there. Uh, every so often, teams can get a uh, exceptional talent visa for players, uh, which has become more and more increasingly difficult, actually, as well. Um, so... Basically, if a player, if you find a player that you think is going to be able to come in and make an immediate impact in the Premier League and actually like change the way um, you know a team plays, basically, then you can get an exceptional talent uh, permit for him. But it's um, it's very, very, uh, it's very difficult to get those. You have to go in front of a, a court, basically, and prove um, prove that 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 will be the case. And and obviously, if you mess up, then the next time the club, the the courts aren't going to let you do it. Um, so yeah, so I mean. You know, Wenger spent some time out there, and he knows uh, he knows the region quite well. But um, I think it's once again when I say when I mention the cultural differences, I think it's also very difficult to bring players from you know from these regions into uh, into the Premier League and have them kind of have them adjust accordingly as well because of just culturally, it's a very different atmosphere. And sometimes you know, sometimes it works like you know Chicharito at at um at Manchester United, like all the all the agents and scouts that I knew, um, and even from from watching myself, like everybody said, he's one of the Mexican guys that we know will go to England and not have an issue actually settling, and and he's he's mature enough to actually handle it, um, and and same as you've seen several of the you know the big clubs in in England have had players from Asia as well come over and and settle and do really well, but unfortunately I think you see more of the trend of a guy will come over, spend a year or two there, and then you know, he's not lost in the abyss again, but you'll find him playing in Qatar or some other league, like, shortly after, unfortunately. Um, just because I think it's just, A, it's super, super competitive, obviously, uh, and then B, um, a lot of these guys just have difficulty settling. I mean, you, once again, like, these are other things that you have to think about when you're when you're bringing players in as families as well. And if you bring, you know, if somebody's accustomed to, um, if somebody's accustomed to living in, let's say, Tokyo or Tehran, and then you bring them, you know, you end up signing for Wigan, for example. Like, it's, I mean, talk about culture shock. Like, it's going to be a very, very different situation uh, when, when, you get, when you get tossed there, you know. Unless, yeah. you know, and even, even players that end up in cities like London and, and Manchester and, um, you know, and even Birmingham's a big city as well. Like, they, they find it difficult. Um, they find it difficult actually settling and adjusting and, and 
Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of factors that go into why you don't see as many Asians as you'd like uh, playing in the Premier League. Danny, my next question to you is, have you ever been contacted by the Iranian Football Federation ever in regards to a player? Or have you ever like actually tried to scout an Iranian player, which we're going to get back to talking about Sardar Rosmoon, but has there ever been a case about that? Uh, I, I was contacted by the Iranian Federation when I was when I was at Arsenal, actually. Wow. To, uh, to, to come, I forgot which... Uh, which international break it was, but they invited me into a camp, and um, much to, much to the much to the dismay of the Iranian forums, which I got slaughtered in, uh, <laughs> I, I said no. Uh, <laughs> ruthless uh, in there, ruthless. Uh, I, yeah. my friend, my friend uh, back home was just like he's a, he's a regular in there, and I, uh, the guy was just against against the, the wall, basically defending me, just yelling at people, telling them to shut up. They didn't know me and all that, so. Uh, Props to Kayvon for helping me out in that regard. But, uh, I, uh, I mean, I, you know, I was born and raised in the United States. I played in the U.S. national team. As much as I, as I love my Iranian side and I love the culture, the Iranian culture and everything that's Iranian about me, I still, you know, I, I'm just as much as Italian as well. Uh, and and but I was born in the state, so I was the path that I was going on at the time, like. You know, I, the, the U.S. needed a left back as well. And for me, like, it would have been, you know, just as big of an honor to play for the United States and represent the country that I'd grown up in. So um, I, I politely uh, declined their invitation. And that was, that was actually the last I'd ever, um, I'd ever heard from the, from the national team. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. If they held it against me, but I, I certainly know <laughs> the people in the forums did. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll put I'll put a tough one at you right now. If let's say the Italian team approached you as well as the American one, would you think you would have chosen the U.S. Uh, or would it have been really tempting to play for the Azzurri? Uh, I mean, I I still think I would have. I still think I would have played for the U.S. I mean, I like a lot of my. I, been in the national team since kind of like 17 and a lot of my friends were in the national team like and it was just a, it was something that I was very very comfortable with I mean I it's 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 kind of hard to explain a feeling when you you know when you when you pull a shirt over over your you know over your head and you're wearing the the American flag on your chest you know representing a, a massive country it was it was just a very good feeling and I had you know I I'd, I'd not done it for Iran and I'd not done it for Italy but the feeling that I had when I did it for the United States was um, was wonderful. You know, at any given time, you're, you know, you're one of the eleven best players at that age group for you know one of the biggest, most powerful countries in the world. Like it was just a, it was a very nice, um, it was a nice feeling. And as I said, at the end of the day, I, you know, I, I grew up in Roanoke, Virginia. I don't, I don't know how much more American you, yeah. can, you, you can be, <laughs> you especially know? being a hokey. <laughs> Maybe it would be different, you know, if I grew up in like Little Italy and like in Boston or, or New York, <laughs> yeah. I was just exposed to the culture all the time. But when you, uh, you know, when you grow up in in the mountains in the South, you, you feel pretty American. So, <laughs> did, did you ever like follow the Iranian football growing up in your house with your dad, or do you follow uh, Team Meli right now or ever in the past? I'll admit, like I could do, a, I could do a much better job. Um, unfortunately, over the past couple years I just when when you're focused on a certain region I just I mean there's there's a lot of players in my own region and um and it was it was it was difficult to like watch not that I couldn't watch anything else but there was always something to be seen whether it be Mexico the U.S. Costa Rica Canada like there was always something happening and I I wasn't able to afford as much time um that I would have liked to but uh but when I, I mean yeah when I grew up I um 
you know, I grew up on Ali Dai and um, all the guys. So like, it was a, uh, it was interesting. I, I mean, I remember specifically like all of our run doesn't have the biggest Iranian uh, kind of population, but there are like, you know, 60 or a hundred Iranians probably in the area that, um, that are all like good friends and they all kind of watch games together. And um, I remember in, during the 98 world cup, like what that, that game in particular, us, Iran was just like, you know, it was madness. Mm-hmm. And I, I, as I said, I love, absolutely love my Iranian culture. And, and you wouldn't even having grown up in Roanoke, you wouldn't even think like some of the people's houses you go to that you're actually in Roanoke. Like you walk in and I haven't actually been to Iran, but I, I feel like what I think would be very much like Iran when I walk into some of these <laughs> between the rugs and the chai and the kebab and everything. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, I absolutely, I absolutely love it. I told you yesterday, Asha, that uh, yeah. we got kebab yesterday. So yeah. uh, it's just, a, it's a part of my, I, I embrace both sides of, both sides of the, um, both sides of my, my cultures, but I just think it, it's, it was, it's always been a bit harder for me to, kind of track the Iranian side of things than it was either the American, obviously, or the Italian side of things, just because of the, the amount of publicity those, you know, those leagues get in being in this part of the world. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, whenever, whenever Iran plays, I'm just like any other Iranian that thinks they're the best team in the world and that they always are given the, the short end of the stick. Uh, so, so, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can listen to our pods, Danny, to keep up. But um, once again, we have another question uh, from Twitter. It's from Iman. He says, can um, Danny give any insight of the big club's knowledge regarding Asian talents um, from Arsenal? Yeah, are you saying just like what, like, I mean, what's what do you mean, like, any insight, like, on like what we do like, out there? What, what yeah. I, yeah, exactly. What does yeah. a club like Arsenal, Champions League regular, how do they look at Asian football or follow it in terms of potentially finding uh, a talent? Yeah, I mean, I, I think like the all the big clubs, especially now that the world is, has been made much smaller with um, with technology and video and it's everything's much more accessible. So if a player is doing particularly well anywhere in the world, um, then, then they'll usually you know, get a red flag next to them for, for somebody to look at them. Um, but as I mentioned, like, it, it can be very difficult just logistically to end up bringing those guys over because of all the rules that I mentioned earlier. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, because of, I mean, the, some of the tools that, the, that have been introduced in the scouting world over the, you know, past years uh, have, made, have made getting to watch any kind of any league in the world or, you know, any player in the world. Much much easier. So, the access is—it's not just that you know Iran or any other Asian country is so far away from England and nobody knows what's going on. Like people are people are certainly watching you know these these teams, especially if a player in these leagues, especially if a player is doing um, is doing quite well. It's just as I said, logistically, it's it's quite difficult to get those guys um, into the Premier League. That doesn't mean that other countries that they can't like Germany. Uh, Germany, Belgium, France—it's—it's it's a bit easier to get into those leagues from a from a work permit point of view. But England, in particular, is a very difficult country to actually get a work permit um, to, to 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 you know to basically live and play here. And a lot of people don't realize that being a footballer, you know, the way the government looks at it is just a job. So it's not just hey, I'm good at football, bring me over and I'll play. It's oh, you're good at football, okay, well that's a job and you need a work permit. And you need to make sure that, you know, there's not anybody in the EU or in England that can do your job as good as you can because we're going to hire them instead. Um, so, yeah, so as I said, like, 
to sum it up, like it is, yeah. I mean, every uh, all the big clubs, I'm sure. You know, I can't speak for the other clubs in particular, but um, but yeah, scouts scouts are, are are generally curious people, especially if somebody's doing well in another in another region, they might they might check them out for sure. So, Danny, you recently moved back to London. Uh, can, can you tell us a little bit about your career plans right now, and whether it involves football or not? Quite uh, as you look forward to the next chapter of your life. Yeah, so I um over the past couple of years, actually, a, a buddy of mine who was uh, who used to be an agent actually and represented players. Um, we started a company uh, several years back and called Swole, which stands for Soccer Without Limits. And initially, we started as a kind of a content site that you know people were writing in, and we had actually we got up to about a hundred writers, um, which was which was quite impressive. But we weren't particularly pleased about the direction that everything was going and we we started developing a fantasy um a fantasy football game and getting some of our um some of the contacts that we have in the game players and um and agents kind of involved in and in investing as well so um we're we're building a fantasy a fantasy mobile game now that you can play on a daily basis um and we're integrating celebrities into it so you can challenge and chat with some of like the biggest players in the world so um guys like jerome boateng luis gustavo for the american group Alejandro bedoya maurice Sedu, these guys are um these guys are involved in the game and, and even actually um luel deng from the basketball side of things um from the nba is actually involved because he's a massive arsenal fan so um so yeah i'm i'm very very focused on that right now we actually just launched the the game in sweden and holland um this week actually um and still from the soccer side of things uh, i'm very i'm very as i mentioned i'm very focused on that but from the soccer side of things i'm still um consulting with arsenal and helping them you know in any way that i can in in the united states and mexico just based off of my network uh, for, for 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 our audience listening in about the fantasy football game, is it something like uh, football manager crossing with fantasy football, or is it purely like fantasy? Uh, it, it is. It is actually like it's kind of a cross. Yeah, exactly. It's like where it's like where football manager meets um, you know what you do at the weekend with fantasy, and and we kind of, we looked at the market and we said. Um, you know, a lot of people that like to play fantasy end up dropping out several weeks into the season because they either forget to make a change or, um, you know, they have one bad week and they realize they can't win. Uh, football manager at times can just be overwhelming for a lot of people. Um, and, and if you're not prepared to just sit down and spend, you know, 45 minutes to four hours staring at your computer screen, then, then you might not have the best experience there. So we kind of made a... Um, kind of a mix of both and it takes it takes all the real you know based off the players how they do at the weekend it takes those stats and it it updates so you're constantly having to change your team and you can compete against others and you can actually run a simulation like immediately and um there's a lot of like it's, it's free to download but there's a lot of like free to play mechanics and you know you can buy more energy for example and you can um you can bid on players as they go into the market and whatnot so it's um yeah i mean we're we're still very much in beta i mean if, if any listeners do want to get in you can just uh we can figure out a way to get in touch with us. You can give us our email. We can get you into the beta just to test and whatnot. But um, yeah, it's very it's very exciting. We were excited about the way kind of mobile was going and and people spending very like spending more and more time, you know, in shorter sessions on their phone. And we wanted to give soccer fans a unique experience where they can engage with celebrities, but also have kind of a fun time on their own acting as managers as well. Yeah, so um, we'll put every all that information you can find. Also, find Danny on his. Um, I believe it's in your uh, in your Twitter bio. 
So yeah. we got, we're gonna put all that information after this thing. But yeah, I guess any more further questions you have for Danny Bobak? I think we've covered a Everything. good background, yeah. so I think this is going to be one of our most interesting points. Yeah. So thank you, Danny, for your time yeah, and appreciate for your, uh, sharing some of your experiences and knowledge with uh, our listeners. Yeah, yeah, thank you guys for having me. It was awesome. Yeah, once again, Danny, I want to appreciate it. Hopefully we could bring you back on as a panelist or whatnot. But uh, once again, thank you for your time. It was great. It was a pleasure speaking to you. Absolutely. Thank you, guys.